Okay, okay, okay. I know, I know. I promised I had a New Year's resolution that I would get our podcast out on time, and I'm a couple of days late, and I apologize for that. Uh, I had to head down to Louisiana. I was practicing with uh, the band that's recording with me on my next record, and we had to go through uh, some tracks and stuff like that and do some uh, pre-production stuff. Um, And I left on Friday when it was supposed to come out, and uh, did not get the podcast out, so I apologize on that. But here we are; it's out today. Um, so it's a, it's it was a lot of fun to record. Um, we got a little loose with a few margaritas beforehand, and um, and it was really an easy podcast. I didn't even have to edit it at all. Me and uh, Stephen have been friends for quite a while, and it was just easy to kind of shoot back and forth and uh, and just talk. I do want to have a warning: um, we don't talk a lot about. Um, we don't go too deep into religion and politics on this show too much. Someone probably will be offended. Maybe maybe both sides of the spectrum will be offended in some of the stuff that we say. So, um, again, these are just, uh, just us talking about um, religion in the world today, which kind of goes in hand with his new uh, record series, God, Love, and Death. Um, Stephen is kind of known for... Um, speaking about um the modern church a lot and so we get into that so if you're easily offended um by uh christianity or if you're a christian and you're easily offended by um it being uh spoken about um in not always a positive light maybe skip this episode i don't want to offend anyone um but it is uh just an open topic that we talk about and i hope that you enjoy it here's our guest stephen dunn um make sure you check out his new podcast that just hit uh, this this year. He has three podcasts out. I just listened to the first episode with Katie Pruitt. It was great. Um, it's called Pickin' and Percolatin'. So make sure you go pick and percolate um, his podcast on iTunes. And um, yeah, here we go. Stephen Dunn. So today we have uh, Stephen Dunn on the podcast, one of my favorite humans um he just released a four-part uh series called god love and death and uh he's gonna repeat what he just said because you didn't hear it the first time oh yeah here we go again all right (laughs) uh yeah you asked about how that was going for me so um it's an interesting process to go from releasing full-length albums to then releasing only uh or, or releasing like an album series um even when when I was uh, talking with PR companies trying to decide who I wanted to work with to push the records, some of them were like, so how are we doing this? And they were asking me about how to release it and send it to press outlets because they were confused about it. Uh, So I think it it went okay. Um, It could have gone exponentially better or exponentially worse, you know? So So right in that medium. Yeah, it was a a hard, I think it's a hard thing to really pin down because it's something I've never done before, but uh, it was a lot of fun and I'm glad they're they're all finally out there. It was a weird thing to try to have to sit on when you record 20 songs and you're only releasing five at a time. Like you release the first five and normally when you like record a bunch of songs and you have your release show, like everything's out. Right. But it was like a quarter of what I did was out and it, it just felt really odd to to have to sit on it for so long but do you have a favorite of the four eps i like death a lot i think death and god are my are my two favorite overall as as complete albums um i didn't think i was gonna like god as much as as i do now hindsight yeah um i think it's it's really solid but um death is is the 
is the album that kind of inspired the whole series. I wrote the song Fade um, kind of as like a my my attempt at a murder ballad uh, of some sort. And then I had the idea to write like a whole serial killer album, which then spawned to the idea for God, Love and Death. Uh, Wasn't the art based off of a serial killer that did smart? Yeah. So there's... Um, an artist in, in Bloomington, Indiana, where I'm originally from, called Jim Sampson. Uh, he's a retired professor of art that has like, he's got like PhDs in fine art, taught at Michigan and all sorts of different universities. When he retired, he ended up uh, teaching art in prisons during retirement. And uh, I have this this uh, collage of, of lino cut art called The Peaceable Kingdom, where he saved every piece from a specific inmate. Um, that was a convicted serial killer and uh, collaged it afterwards because like they can't they can't keep uh, you know linoleum cut print because that's sharp so um, he saved all of that from one inmate and collaged it and I tried to get him to uh, do a new collage with all those pieces as the album artwork Um, but interestingly enough he doesn't have an email or a phone number or anything uh, to get a hold of him. So I left him a note at the art store where he buys supplies and never heard back. Um, but then I ended up commissioning uh, one of my friends to kind of look at that piece of artwork and make something based off of that, like inspired by that. And that was Sissy Dinkle who yeah. opened up your death EP release. Yeah, Sissy's great. Um, great musician, great artist, just all around great person. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so the just to kind of give the listeners an idea of, of the series, it was uh, based off of like some, a quote by Johnny Cash. Was that right? Yeah. I read once that Johnny Cash only wrote about God, love and death. Um, kind of any kind of was like, there's nothing else to even talk about. I mean, you think about it, you, you have like spirituality, love, right. And then, and then dying, like that kind of encompasses our entire world. Um, which which is an interesting thought like even even if you're going to go on like oh like i'm I'm an atheist i don't believe in god like that still is like that chunk of your life is like this like what whatever spirituality or whatever right. your belief system is or something yeah. yeah whatever whatever your belief system is can fall in that category love right. falls in a category and death falls in a category um even if you believe love is just like chemical reactions and we all act on instinct and and that kind of sci- more scientific approach to love i guess for like yeah um it still is like the i feel like those kind of encompass our human life so he i i had heard heard him uh about Johnny Cash saying that and i'm a huge fan of his and i was like that just seems like a fun thing to do and i'd already kind of started on um the death thing i had i had a song and was like this would be a cool album and then that idea came to just like do a series um yeah um i remember seeing maybe it was on uh, instagram or something like that where you were surprised that you um because and you you mentioned was almost like some throwaway stuff but then you ended up like enjoying it way more than you anticipated initially yeah um, and other people also yeah it it was Anne's weird um which most time when i tell people i did an album series god love and death they assume it's three a three which makes sense like grammatically but i made and as a b-sides album so it's it's the one that doesn't flow as well i feel as all the others but that's kind of intentional as well um because it's just like a hodgepodge of stuff i never 
uh, used before. Some of those songs I wrote when I was like 17 and I was like, oh, well, like I've never used them for any project for one reason or another. So it it was weird um, to see people connect to those songs because a lot of those songs I didn't like and they, I was releasing them for the sake of, of releasing them. Yeah. Um, but then a lot of people liked them or connected with them. I think you even sent me a message that you really liked Water and Light, the first song off, off right. hand. Yeah. And I was like, really? And you're like, yeah, like I like that song. I was like, I, I don't like that song. <laughs> but uh, which, which probably seems odd to a lot of artists that like I would put out something I don't like. But the, the point of it for me was like, I have these songs I've written that are complete that for one, one reason or another, when I go to do an album, they never make the album. So I was like, well, I'll just push them out because maybe the reason I don't want to put them on the album has something to do with me and not with the work. Um, or maybe like they actually do suck, but who knows? Let's just throw them out there and see well, what, what people connect with. Sucked. So <laughs> I can attest to that, that none of the albums have any uh, bad work on them, but there is, there is a, uh, a difference. Obviously you recorded them at different times in your life too. Um, and so there is a difference in like some of the styles. Um, yeah. Um, so the, actually the recording of all of them was at once. Um, really? Yeah, we recorded all, so there's like four, maybe five solo songs. I think there's four. I think each, each track, something like that. I know each, each out, the first three albums all open with a solo song. Yeah. Um, Death's the only one that doesn't open with a solo song. Um, Death ends with more of a solo-ish song that didn't include the band. Uh, But we tracked all of the full band songs, which was like, I think 16 of the songs in about 12 hours over two days. Oh, wow. Um, and then took a lot of time to really say like, how do we want to like mix this? How do we want to make this, make right. this a thing? Um, there were, there were stuff that's that we didn't do live. So the, the live stuff is all guitars, bass, drums, we're all live. Yeah. And then we went back and like the fiddle wasn't live. And we, this, this was in Bloomington. In. Yeah. 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 So, um, that was something I really wanted to do is I wanted to cut it live and get that, that kind of vibe. Right. Um, the, the vocals, none of the vocals ended up being live. They were just scratch vocals. We, we retract vocals, retract harmonies. So the, but myself, Blake Miller, Amos Birch, Ben Handel were the live band. Yeah. And then, then we fill in with like keys and other, other auxiliary stuff over the top. Um, but yeah, we, we tracked most of it in that in 12 hours over over two days so we did one full day and then the next day we worked till lunch and we we were done how did you uh keep from bleed over with the vocals did you um record in a separate room was yeah so what we did is uh all the guitar players and bass player were in the control room okay all our amps were in iso boost and the drums were in the live room okay um so there was no bleed there but we did i didn't keep any of the scratch vocals um partially because I lost my voice uh, uh, leading up to it. Oh, man. So e- some of the scratch vocals were literally me saying verse and chorus and like the most <laughs> hoarse voice ever and weren't even lyrics. Yeah. Um, so I, I wanted to record it live. I wanted to record it quickly uh, to get that feeling. So we practiced for about four days leading up to uh, the studio time. So we spent four days really like arranging and, and figuring out how we wanted those songs 
and then that's that's part of what made it so efficient going in as opposed to spending that time in the studio yeah see i'm interested with that because um on my next album i want to track live but um it seems really hard to get the best vocal take on the you know the live takes sure um, and i you don't necessarily have to right i think i think that's the thing is that um you you don't have to have the vocal takes being live or you can have the vocal takes being live. Yeah. Um, honestly, had I not lost my voice, I would, I probably would have tried some more to keep more of that. Yeah. Going into it, I had my hands tied. We had the studio time booked. Everybody was ready, but I quite literally like, I couldn't have done this interview. Um, yeah. That, that like I, my voice was so far gone. I was having a hard time to even speak. So there was, uh, the second the second day it was much better because I was like constantly drinking tea and had honey and then like I was working hard to get it back. But well, man, and uh, so for everyone that doesn't know, my EP um, Blue was recorded by Stephen, and um, I remember we went in for like ten hours, and by the end of it, even like with my full voice, like it was just exhausting. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of work on your on your vocal cords, so. Um, yeah, with doing it live, I, the vocals don't necessarily have to be live. They yeah. can be, I would, I would say the majority of records probably don't have a live vocal cut. Some do. Yeah. Like, I mean, clearly like the Beatles did it on some stuff, but the Beatles didn't do it on other things. Right. Um, Bob Dylan is, is, uh, pretty well known for doing most of his stuff live. But sure. Even past the eighties, he kind of stopped doing that. Yeah. Yeah. And, I uh, I don't think it makes it any any better or worse, right? Um, to cut it that way. Um, when I went back, I think the thing that makes these records fun for me and why I like them is like the feel is very much a live feel. Yeah. Even though at the time, the vocal was just me being like either talking through or saying like verse, chorus, verse, chorus, as opposed to seeing everything yeah. clearly. Um, because when I went back and sang over the top of it, I'm singing over a band that tracked live that has some of those mistakes in there, that has yeah. that feeling in there. So I I feel like it made my performance still more live feeling and not yeah. so like yeah, sterile. Yeah, there and there's there's a million ways to track a record. You know yeah. the the phrase like you can skin a cat. You know you can skin a cat. However, but it's. Uh, I don't think there's any wrong way, but that, that way yields the best performance for me. And I think that's, that's the secret you're trying to get is what will get you your best performance. Right. For me, it's having a band that has that energy. And I found that if I track everything individually, when I get it together, it doesn't have the energy. So I don't, when I go to sing over it, um, my vocal performance will probably be a little more stale. Yeah. I totally understand that. So um, you are actually already thinking about your next record huh yeah um i'm gonna be recording at the end of this month um i'm pretty excited about it it's it's weird I, I talked about sitting on that music for a little while um which drove me nuts so i've been writing all these songs but i have to get these other records released before i right. can put out the new songs and so i have all these songs that i think more represent what i want to say right now yeah um but then you you've got to I uh, just kind of, I guess, play the game and wait, which is a little frustrating. Yeah. But um, yeah, I have, I've got a full length kind of in the can ready to, ready to just crank out and go um, that I'm, I'm pretty excited about. I think it's going to be a fun time. How many, uh, how many songs are you tracking? I'm going to do eight. Eight songs. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to do, I want to put it out on vinyl. 
that is my aspiration and I have a hard time writing short songs so uh, if I do like <laughs> 10 or 12 songs they don't fit on a right. single 12 inch so I'm doing eight so it'll hopefully fit on a four and four on either side and we can make that make that happen that's exciting so how do you what's your what's your normal way of writing like do you usually go vocals first or uh, lyrics first uh music later or is it kind of all at once what's what's your practice for a few years writing? ago i would have said all at once yeah. um and it would have been a lot of like inspiration writing uh since then i've gotten a little bit more disciplined at writing but i still find myself like i write in large chunks yeah. um I find it hard to sit down and write daily. And I know there's a lot of people who would be like, no, that's what you got to do. You got to like commit to like writing all the time. But for me, it, it goes where like, I won't write for like three months. Yeah. And then there'll be one day where I write like 10 songs. Yeah. And they may all be crappy songs, but like it just, it's pouring out of me and I, I just got to go with it. But, um, find your muse. Yeah. The last few years I've written a lot of poetry. Um, and, uh, part of that is all I, I drive a lot with touring and everything so i'll be uh i'll be driving and um think of something and then i like get out my phone and i'm like hey siri take this note and yeah. i'll say something and then i'll get home and i'll be looking at it later and i'll be like what did i mean because it'll dictate it wrong for whatever <laughs> and i'll then i have to decipher it and but uh i, f I found myself um starting with lyrics yeah more than i used to but it there's no like one way that I, that I can pin it down. I will say I rarely start with a piece of music that has no lyrics. Um, often though, either lyrics and music comes at the same time or I start with, with lyrics. Um, mostly I, I guess because like there's, there's a pretty finite amount of way you can structure chords. So it's right. Um, I'm like, well, like, I could sit around and try to find like whatever I think sounds good. But at the end of the day, like w whatever riff I came up with, like that still is a one, six, five, you know, whatever. Yeah. It's, it still is a pretty simple progression whenever you break it down to its fundamentals. So, so it's more about lyric driven for you. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. want to write good music. I don't want to like phone it in and just make everything one, four, five, or right. whatever. But, um, but yeah, why not? That's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i um if if people do that and it sounds great then great but uh for me like i i don't know i don't want to do that i also think there are i mean the tennessee whiskey cover by chris stapleton's two chords yeah and it sounds great so it's it's not complexity that i'm interested in it's it's good um and i think they can often be confused like something complex yeah, and you can definitely overthink it too. Sometimes sure. it's just whatever sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I've definitely found myself like I'm always challenging myself uh, with uh, the way that I'm writing, and I've I've done everything. I I wrote one. Uh, I was reading about the all the songwriters in the '30s, you know, like in California that they would just go in a room with a guy that played piano, and they only wrote the lyrics, and they would be like, "Okay, here's the title of the song," and then they would hammer out. The lyrics so i've tried it that way and i've written songs that way and they've come out they're pretty fun that way um but you know i've also uh red river blues which is the only original i record i recorded on uh, blue with you um was a like uh chord progression riff type thing that like finger picking thing that like 
I sat on for months before I had any words or any melody too. So I, I, sure. feel, like, I feel like everyone does it like so differently. It's always interesting to know um, the way that uh, people write. And I think that your lyrics are very like intentional and, and um, deep and poetic. So I, oh, I didn't know if that was the way that you, like if you wrote the lyrics first and then like, we're like, okay, one, four, five, or if, <laughs> or if it was, uh, you know, some kind of like collaboration of the two or what. Yeah. I would say on the God, love and death stuff. Uh, a lot of that is just at the same time. Yeah. Um, it, on, on the new stuff that I'm going to be coming out, a lot of that was poetry first, which I think, um, some of the God, love and death stuff was lyrics written first, but, but yeah. very few and far between. Um, and I think there's a definitive stylistic difference because when you write poetry, um, poetry and, and songwritings, uh, the difference is like poetry can be absorbed at any rate. Yeah. If I hand you a piece of paper with words on it, like you can read that as fast or as slow as you want. You yeah. can like reread it as many times as you want. If I like play a song for you, how those lyrics come across and the way I phrase them and how quickly, yeah. like it's like it's it's there and gone. Like you, it's a little more boxed in. Yeah. So um, I think some of my music that is poetry first, at least for me, like I notice a difference because I'm taking poetry and trying to make it work as a song. <laughs> it's yeah that was the time that's the time i don't know <laughs> if it picked it up or not but we just we just had a thing ding and tell us the time <laughs> yeah um so i i, I noticed that difference in in my writing I, I don't know if other people would but um i think there's a definitive difference um when i have a song that was poetry first or like everything together I haven't ever started with poetry first. Um, I did write one song, probably the, um, I haven't released it. I don't know if I will, but one of the weirdest things was, uh, there was a Leonard Cohen poem that I really enjoyed a lot. And I took the structure of the poem, um, and came up with music to it. And then I took the, the, the phrasing and just made it my own lyrics. Sure. Um, and, uh, I haven't ever released it, but that was like the only like diving into like taking something from poetry that I've ever done. Um, do you, when you write the poetry, do you usually keep it like in mind for uh, the form of a song or is it pretty unstructured? Um, it, it just depends. Uh, if I'm writing, I don't try to sit down and write poetry. I don't have a I haven't like published a poetry book. I have no yeah. aspirations to be a poet in terms of, of that. So um, I, I guess there is like a subconscious understanding of like, this will hopefully one day be a song, but there also is, I write a lot for myself. Yeah. Um, writing is, is therapeutic for me. So a lot of the stuff that I've, that I've written, um, I, I don't expect to ever post and some of it's really terrible and some of it may be really good, but I don't expect yeah. to ever share. So it's, um, when I write poetry, a lot of the time it's just a release to where I'm not really thinking like, Oh, this will be a great line for a verse someday. I'm just like, I've got things in my head and they've got to get out um, in one way or another. And so then it becomes yeah. a thing. Um, I remember one time we were driving, we were on tour together and we were having like a deep, like, spiritual conversation and you said 
hell is locked from the inside and i was like ooh, ooh. <laughs> i'm writing that down yeah that's that's uh the new the new album that's coming out i i used a line like that yeah um yeah that's that um i think we were talking about c.s lewis yeah uh, for those that are familiar with the british theologian um, lion the witch in the wardrobe yeah most most famously known narnia. for narnia uh series but wrote a lot just like a really intelligent guy christian little, apologist little little bit misogynistic uh which he got put in his place by women a few times which is funny <laughs> uh there's like one time this woman debated him on radio and kind of put him in his place and his brother is quoted saying like it's like the best thing that could ever happen to him. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it, like anyways, um, I think more product of his time than, than true right. like misogynistic person. Um, uh, but really intelligent guy. I had the equivalent of like three PhDs by 35 or something like that, um, which is insane. But he, he wrote a lot of theological works and one of them is, is called the great divorce um, where the idea of, of a married couple going to heaven and hell and being split and there's there's a part in that i'm probably butchering this because it's been a while since i've read this book but um where the the bus that's like headed to hell like stops and allows people to right to go into heaven and um a lot of people choose not to and and the concept is that the people going to hell like hell is actually locked from the inside and the people are holding themselves in there because they want no part of of the rest of it, um, which is a really interesting kind of more universalist theory um, that I'm sure a lot of Western Christianity would shun oh, nowadays. Yeah. Um, but it's the kind of the idea of, uh, you know, someone like, uh, for, for the sake of discussion, you talk about um, having an idea of a heaven. If we're talking about a literal heaven, it says every tribe, tongue, and nation, like there's going to be people of every color there every race, every whatever. And so then you talk about someone like David Duke or Hitler that have so much hate built inside them towards people who are different than them. And uh, say they get, they get brought to the gates of they heaven. They wouldn't think and that was heaven. Yeah. yeah, they wouldn't, they wouldn't think that was heaven. So it's like uh, C.S. Lewis's idea is that hell is filled with people who choose to put them there because of, of their hate essentially. And I may have just butchered his entire point of that book, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that's, I think that's what we were talking about. And, uh, the, the idea of hell being locked from the inside, I think is a, uh, a really interesting one, but that, that all, there's a lot of assumptions in that, that like hell exists or that there's a physical hell and it's not a metaphorical idea and all sorts of things. <laughs> one of my favorite books is mere Christianity by him, which was actually originally, um, radio broadcast yep. during world world war one. And, um, I think is one of, uh, the most poignant, um, uh, defenses of Christianity I've ever read. Um, especially coming from someone that was initially an atheist and, and converted to Christianity. But, um, yeah, so he, he grew up in the church, then left and then came back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, again, hopefully I'm getting this right, but like his dog and mom died within like a really, like his mom died and then his dog got run over and in, in a really short time span. And he was like, I like couldn't wrap his mind around a God that would let that happen and left the church as like a young kid. Yeah. Um, but yeah, sorry. Can, oh, no. yeah. That was that uh, was basically my point. But 
Um, so going back to the whole God series, you obviously have uh, some roots in like spirituality and, and faith. Um, but I know that you're also outspoken against a lot of like what's going on in the world and the church and stuff like that. Is that going to be influenced in your next record too? Yeah, my next record is essentially that. Um, yeah, it, it centers around the Western Church um, and and the world that we live in, um, which is going to be an interesting conversation to have with different friends and family members. Um, but it was an album that I felt needed to be written in a day and age where um, we have people that are confusing Caesar with Jesus. Um, yeah. I, th- I think I think it needs to be written. Um, and Western Christianity right now, and I'm using a large umbrella. I don't think all Christians within the U.S. or Western cultures think this way, but the problem is, is the majority do. Yeah. There's, there's just, a, it's a very toxic um, structure that that has been built. That is, they're trying to build an empire, and uh, which is interesting because we have the New Testament where Jesus very clearly says, you know. I'm not here to build a worldly empire. And he was very subversive to the worldly empires. Um, so when you hear people talk about legislating Christian morality or legislating Christian values, it's it's so odd to even think that like that's that's where we're at. And that's kind of like base layer. There's so much um so much else going on that is just insane to me. But um yeah, the album uh, pretty much like that that is the eight songs of the album is my grievances with uh the western church today right and i think that like you know um i was raised catholic and um converted to protestantism um when i was 16 so i've seen both sides of the of the the two main uh i guess christian uh sex sex of yeah. in the united states and um it just seems a lot more um like you have to fall in line uh, in the evangelical world in, 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 in the United States. So if you're like, I don't know if I believe that, or, you know, at least in the South, I was raised in Louisiana, uh, you know, like um, maybe like this isn't the best way. And, and, you know, sometimes you find uh, that like you have to line up exactly with conservative values if you're going to be in the Christian church. And um, that seems a little unfair because, uh, from my personal experience, and uh, take everyone listening, take this with a grain of salt, especially if uh, this is offensive to you. But um, in my personal experience, uh, Jesus um, helps the down and out, which you know isn't necessarily yep. what um, some conservative values are. So um, it just seems a little, and I, and and I've seen that a lot with uh, within people who have been in the church and still want to believe struggling, you know, cause you see a lot of people just leaving and, uh, that's not really, um, necessarily something I want to do. You know, I don't want to leave my faith behind. And, uh, I've talked about this in past, uh, episodes with like Clint often. He's also, uh, uh, into like we, we play gospel music together and stuff like that. And we love the church, but it's also like, it's a struggle, you know? Sure. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things that like, when when the we use defining words because they're necessary within our culture, right. but that's ultimately our downfall, right? Um, like the term Christian right now, what someone may think that means in the U.S. 
or what the majority may think that means about a person in the U.S. and what I think that that should mean right. are are different. Um, and so it makes you almost go like you don't want to be labeled that because that label means something different than what you think you represent. The same with like conservatism or liberalism. You know, the idea of conservatism in general isn't isn't a bad one. The idea of changing things slowly over time isn't bad. But we've entered this age of of neoconservatism, for lack of a better term, where they they don't even represent their own values anymore. Right. Um, and yeah, I. I think um, like the Charlottesville stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and I also think there's probably a lot of conservatives that would would also shun the Charlottesville stuff. Yeah. The problem is they're not doing it loud enough or they go, yep, that's bad, but they're not doing anything about it. Right. Um, well, when it doesn't affect you, you know, we're both white males here. Like, sure. That doesn't necessarily affect us in any way, but it affects a lot of our friends and people we love. You yeah. Know? And we need to stand up for that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so... Yeah, it's it's interesting. I don't think that Jesus would be involved in politics, but I think he would be very sub- subversive of our system as a whole. You know, when when asked Jesus says give to Caesar what is Caesar's, but at the same time like he he his entire ministry, he's he's subverting all of the power systems to do good. And uh a lot of what we have going on is trying to build up power systems to put Christians in power, which was the exact opposite of, uh, of that. Of, um, so yeah, it, it, using, using like conservative liberal and all of that, I think can be good to an extent, but at, at some point, like labels are only good until they get misconstrued and then they become something else. Well, um, and circling back that alienates us from each other when we should be like trying to be a hundred percent. Yeah. Know, like the, the reason that we are like, so like opposed to each other is over these like things that honestly we're way more alike. Everyone's way more alike than we are different. And we're really just like alienating, alienating ourselves from each other. I feel like. Yeah. So like, for instance, um, a lot of my Christian friends or, or are the people would, would, if, if they met someone who said they're an atheist, like immediately they would write them off as someone so immoral and like a terrible person. Right. And I wouldn't, um, and I don't think that, that Christ would either. And there, there's a lot of things like that that are very divisive. You know, Christians within our Western context in general, only are interested in Judaism for the sake of their rapture. That's like a whole construct is they're only interested in those people so that those people can fulfill prophecy and then die so they can go to heaven. That's so messed up. That's just like one of the messed up worldviews I've ever heard of. Like you're, you're invested in a group of people and what happens to them only so that they can fulfill prophecy and then be burnt for all of eternity so that you can go to heaven and uh i i don't think that that's um what's set up by christ um yeah we're getting into a really interesting tangent <laughs> not that i hate it but uh yeah if if you want to hear what i think about a lot of that stuff my next album that i'm recording this month will oh, and that's the point yeah. <laughs> we'll uh we'll cover a lot of that um i guess <laughs> Um, I do want to get into one other thing and then we'll actually get you to play maybe one of your new songs about, okay. about that exact topic. Um, but 
you uh, you mentioned to me earlier uh, over lunch that you are launching a podcast soon. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Sure. Yeah, um, I'm excited about this. Oh, thanks. Yeah, we, we we've got some uh, some podcasts in the bag already. I won't won't drop any names, but uh, I do some content creation work with Stringjoy, which is a great uh, guitar string company local here in Nashville. Uh, they make great stuff and I'm not just saying that cause I work for them part time, but like great people, really small company that make yeah. awesome strings. Um, and, uh, yeah, they, we, we kind of are, are starting a podcast that they're going to, uh, we're, how we're billing it is, is the podcast presented by string joy. They're going to sponsor it and, uh, give it a little extra push, but it's called picking and percolating. And the idea is to talk about music and community, um, over a shared cup of coffee or tea. Uh, and I, I think. So me- it's, it's almost like musicians getting coffee in cars or something. <laughs> yeah, the Jerry yeah. Seinfeld thing. <laughs> yeah. Something like that. Um, I feel like, <laughs> I feel like, uh, some of my best conversations are over a beer or over tea or whatever. It's yeah. like you, you grab some beverage and margarita, margarita <laughs> at the Mexican restaurant down the street here in Antioch. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, um, but uh, I think music has has huge implications. The arts in general, but uh, at being a musician, like focusing on music, um, on our, our communities. You know, we've been talking a lot about about some religious ideas and right. Um, you know, music within the context of religion is a huge thing and has a huge impact oh, yeah. on communities. Amazing Grace is a song written two hundred years ago or more. And it's still like sung in churches all over the world every week. Um, we still have songs from like Gregorian chant era and all this different stuff. So like that has a huge impact. Um, there's Honky Tonk Tuesdays here in Nashville. That is that is a community. Yeah, that's my religious experience. That's yeah. There you go. <laughs> Me too. Uh, uh, but uh, you know, like that has a huge impact on the community. Whether yeah. like you like, and I'm sure most people that go there don't think about that necessarily, but it does. And there are people that are there every week. There are war veterans that are there every week. And like, that is their, like their moment every week. There's this one gentleman I spoke to that drives like 45 minutes in from out of town. Was who? Billy. Maybe. Yeah. Um, and it just, so he can dance and like people dance with him. And he's just an older gentleman, uh, war veteran that, you know, comes out and, uh, and wants to dance. And, and so like his highlight of his week is coming and getting to dance to, to country music and tons of girls dance with him and like the smile on his face from that night. So like just that one person alone, like music has a huge impact on, uh, on his week. And, uh, you know, that's happening all over the place. There is um, a thing called the Switchyard in Bloomington, uh, my hometown, that just ended. But it was a weekly thing throughout the warmer months. Um, they generally end it right about now uh, where they do house shows and have pitching dinners. Yeah, There was never any cover. You could donate money towards the bands if you had cash. If you didn't have cash, you were never told not to come. Um, and people from like all different walks of life and everything would end up in this house to see live music and share food. And the, the idea yeah, of the podcast is just to talk about music and, and community and obviously about people's records and stuff like that as well. Like we'll get into other stuff, but uh, you know, 
what what artists think so like regional community or whatever um i generally leave it fairly open-ended so i'll I'll talk with the artists about their different projects and everything but i try to end on talking about community and and how they see the role of an artist within a community and what what they feel like um music has to do with that and and how they feel like it has affected them so when when does that launch uh launches in january launches in january so this podcast is actually coming out at the end of december so Real soon. Real soon. It's coming out. Um, we'll, we'll try to put some uh, links up whenever it first launches. So you can, uh, you, we'll just uh, make sure that you get to hear his podcast as well. Um, I'm excited about it. I'm excited to hear it. I know Thanks. some of the people that are going to be on there <laughs> and I'm excited to hear them talk about stuff. We've got some, we've got some good people coming up on the, on that one. Real so. good people. Yeah. <laughs> Way better than Steven Dunn. No, I'm kidding. It, no, I, I mean, I agree. That's why I'm talking to him. <laughs> you know, uh, we were talking about this earlier too. So I, I talked to Mike Dunn who put on the folk. Yeah. Um, festival that we're playing, um, here. This is, uh, this is recorded right now in mid November and, uh, we'll be, uh, at the end of November, we'll be going down to Orlando, me and Steven both separately, uh, to play a festival uh, there called Folk Yeah. It's uh, put on by Mike Dunn. And, uh, no relation. No relation. <laughs> yeah, which is it's weird. Mike and I met a number of years ago because one of my friends shared his uh, Faith Healer music video. And my brother's name is Michael Dunn. Uh, and so i saw the video and i was like this is some really good music and this is so weird because there's already multiple steven duns who play music that i have to like compete with so i shot a message and i was like hey man like this is weird you have the same name as my brother and play like americana rock like we should do a tour together and call it like the done and done tour or something (laughs) and uh and he was into it which we still have not done that tour so mike if you're listening we've not done we've not done done tour uh no we've we've kind of stayed in touch since and now we're going down to play that festival but i'm I'm looking forward to it that again you know a big a big uh community involvement thing right he puts on a a festival where there's like 75 artists that are playing i think yeah over over three Three days. days thanksgiving weekend in orlando um will's will's pub is opening up their space to have the festival happen and uh it's just gonna it's not my pub it's not your pub it's called will's pub it is called will's pub and the guy who owns it is named will yeah uh we've got all sorts of name (laughs) runarounds going on but uh yeah that there again is like another like community uh event happening with music and that i think will be a lot of fun yeah I'm excited about it. And by this time this launches, it'll have already happened. So great set, man. That was awesome. <laughs> that one song you played that you're about to play was really good. Oh, do I, do I have to play whatever I play now this weekend? They won't know. It's already <laughs> happened. So we'll just say it happened. All right. Uh, what song do you want to play? What's I have a new upcoming I, record. I have no idea, but let's grab a guitar. Let's do it. <laughs> um, I guess I'll play... Uh, This is a song I wrote after we went on tour together through Louisiana and Texas. Uh, So here it goes. Solid white cross on 65 right next to the doll store in the neon signs. And I always wondered why we revere a torture device. And the devil's just a preacher, cigarette calling fire down from 
his pulpit as he paces back and forth getting his fix predestination is a funny thing you can't dismiss something you ain't never seen faith is easy when it's driven by greed when we live and we lose we win and are bros and wake up on we fight and we scream Chasing some dream That's just inside our heads I'm Talking to a lady at the gas station About the state of our nation She says we all just need to find God I'd be compelled to concur Except the Lord according to her Sounds more like a racist side. She said there's a USA And Jesus saves And that if we could all learn to behave We might just get a little more grace It seems like a funny thing to say Cause Christ seems be doing okay before we all decided to desecrate his name when we live and we lose we win and are bruised and wake up on over in bed we fight and we scream chasing some dream that's just inside our hands So tonight I raise a glass to Mary Ann I hope she's still following the Lord's plan And that he blesses that minivan Like her bumper sticker requested That night he spent in Texas On our way to Louisiana And we live and we know we win and are bruised And wake up on bed We fight and we scream Chasing some dream That's just inside our heads We're just inside of our heads just inside all right that's it for this episode of americana station thank you so much for listening i do have a favor for you if you would go to itunes and uh just rate and review this podcast that would help me so much um i don't make any money from this podcast i'm not trying to make any money from this podcast i'm really just trying to help uh 
the world get to know some of these amazing songwriters that I know and um, just kind of build up this community here in Nashville and, and even outside of Nashville. What helps that, what helps people know about these amazing songwriters is you uh, sharing that information with other people. So if you would just take the time and uh, maybe just rate and review on iTunes or whatever your favorite podcast platform that you're currently listening to this on, that would be uh, such a great help. Um, you can follow me on Instagram at Will Payne Harrison on Facebook slash Will Payne Harrison. That's P-A-Y-N-E, uh, WillPayneHarrison.com. Uh, and also we have Americana Station on uh, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook as well. If you go like those pages, that would be fantastic. Um, we have Ben Delacour coming up next on the podcast. Uh, we've kind of upped our game this year. We've got some video content that we're going to be uh, bringing to you soon next month. And uh, then we also have Eric Bolander is coming out uh, soon. He's He just signed to a, a new record label and is uh, re-releasing his uh album the fire so we'll be talking about that i'm really excited about this year it's going to be a really solid year of uh songwriters and musicians on the podcast so uh if you could just help by spreading the the word getting it out there that would be so helpful i appreciate you so much for your patronage and um hope to uh see you next episode with ben delacour thanks <laughs>